Thank you for joining us today on Empower Central. Here on this platform, we strive to equip parents in our community as you guide the next generation. And today at Central Christian School, we are discussing how to respond to our nation's current events in our homes, how to dialogue with our kids about the violent reaction to the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor how to talk with our sons, how to talk with our daughters about racism, injustice, um, fear. It's a really heavy topic, but at Central Christian School, we don't shy away from hard things. And we know that we're called as educators and parents to guide this next generation of Christians, this next generation of leaders, this next generation of change agents for Jesus Christ. And we are entering into a two-part series. I am your host, Kristen Perona. I'm the Director of Admissions and Communications at Central. And we also have with us Ben Zeng and Terry Brock, two men who are dads in our parent community. Each of these guys have three children at Central. Um, welcome, Terry. Welcome, Ben. It's great to have you. Ben is the pastor of evangelism at Central Presbyterian Church, and Terry has also been involved in ministry and is currently part of our CCS Dad's Bible Study on Tuesday mornings. So thank you so much to both of you for being willing to be here today, being willing to enter into this conversation with us. We know in our school community that some parents are openly dialoguing with their kids about current times, about the headlines, what they're seeing on the news. Some have not. And then other parents we know want to have the conversation about how this um, anguish of injustice has moved from within people's hearts and is being poured out into the streets of St. Louis and other cities around the country. But some parents don't know how to start the conversation. They don't know how to answer um, their kids' questions. And as a preschool and elementary school, our kids, we know that they're in this formidable stage um, of child development, of moral development, um, their worldview is being shaped. And some child psychologists have even said that racism exists today still because parents have been avoiding these conversations with their kids. So central parents, we want to empower you to start this conversation, to respond to your kids' questions and to keep the dialogue alive. I want to start by coming to the Lord tonight, and then we'll dive in. Um, Jesus, I thank you so much that you are present. Lord, I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have placed within each of your followers. God, the Holy Spirit that convicts us, but also the Holy Spirit that comforts. And so tonight we lean into him. Lord, we call to you. Um, I thank you that you intercede um, when we don't have the words, when we just can't um, form another sentence about the heaviness in our hearts, the weightiness of this topic. Lord, thank you for hearing us. Thank you for even communicating um, and articulating for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So... And either of you guys can start. What would you say to the parent who is scared to talk about these issues um, because they don't have all of the answers? Yeah, I can start with us. Uh, thank you again for just uh, including us in this kind of opportunity to just share. Mm -hmm. And it's really such an important topic that we do need to dialogue and share about and talk about. And uh, I know for myself and me and Annie talking a lot about this issue, it's an important issue to us, but it is an intimidating one. Mm 
And the ways that we dialogue and talk about it as a family, uh, we know we don't want to shy away from though. Um, we've grown up both, Annie and I are both Chinese American and uh, we've been taught not to talk about things that will rock the boat and to cause conflict. And uh, we've had to push back a, a lot on that because there's aspects of it uh, that we like being good citizens. We like uh, trying to be peacemakers. Uh, we like to try to be uh, those kind of people. But at the same time, knowing that feel at times and the things that uh, we've also experienced ourselves as well as we've reflected onto others, even in complicity or just silence. Mm -hmm. uh, so this issue of not being able to talk to our kids about it is one that we had to conquer and get over. Uh, we absolutely had to do that ourselves. And uh, research shows that our children are far more aware of race and the role of race in society than we think they are, mm -hmm. especially in the age that they're at. And the young, our, our, our kids that are uh, just growing in their elementary school of Central, uh, we'll just wait until they're a little older, but they're already aware. And we can think about ways that are age appropriate for each one, because we have three different kids. We have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old that he just turned five yesterday. Um, thinking about the ways we talk to each of them is age appropriate, but they're already aware. They're already talking about it. They already know uh, the different things they're experiencing, not just at school, but in the world, at church, uh, just in, when we go to the grocery store here in St. Louis, when we go to Chicago, when we go to, when we visit Taiwan, um, they know these things already and they're experiencing them. And if we're silent on it, uh, then they're making their own conclusions. And mm -hmm. those conclusions are not necessarily good ones and ones that we want to help shape. And, um, when fear comes knocking, I know that Isaiah 41 definitely in 10 gives us a lot of hope and just saying, so do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you and I'll hold you in my righteous right hand. So God's going to lead us and he'll give us the wisdom to be able to address these things with our, with our kids. And it's okay not to have all the answers. That's one of the things that me and Annie are both in agreement. We don't know all the answers all, at all the time, but we want to breed knowledge and empathy uh, rather than ignorance and apathy in our household. Um, and our kids, it seems that their understanding and their knowledge and their, their curiosity outpaces our readiness mm -hmm. to have these conversations with them. So that's intimidating. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we need to enter into that space. As they're curious, they have questions, or even if they don't have questions, there is this need to know. Um, and we need to jump into that and be learners, me and Annie ourselves, as well as the opportunity to even learn with our kids, um, talk and dialogue and lead with compassion, love and humility in the ways that we talk about these things. Because that allows a lot of grace to enter into these conversations mm -hmm. and allows us to have that entry point. So conquer that fear uh, by just, again, leaning on the Lord and then just yeah. trying to find a lot of the love and kind of empathy that we want to aim for. Mm, thank you so much for that. I love how you brought your own cultural <clears throat> background into that because, you know, regardless of our ethnicity, um, we all have different family, <laughs> family cultures that we have grown up with. And um, so I appreciate you saying that very much. How about you, Terry? What would you say to the parent um, that that is just really intimidated by it? Well, the first thing I would say is um, they shouldn't be intimidated by it, first of all. Uh, secondly, that if I think if you get into the mindset that if you don't talk with your children about this, someone else will. Mm -hmm. And I would personally, I would rather talk with my three daughters about a situation before I would allow someone else to talk with them about it. Because there is this thing where the law first mentioned gets into play that if you allow someone else to actually put that seed inside of your child of something that's negative, 
because that's what you run the risk of. If you don't share this with them, then you run the risk of someone else depositing something inside of your child that is negative. And then they'll spend years getting rid of that. And to be honest with you, that's part of the reason why we are some, some of us are seeing the situation that we're seeing right now, because mm-hmm. someone did not deposit the right seed into the people that are involved with the looting or the people that are maybe involved with the racism and all that, mm-hmm. because that did happen before that was deposited. And sometimes uh, it comes from the wrong place as far as a person that was not even a part of the family. And I think that's part of it. And I also think too, that parents should also remember that we really have to spend that time with God, like Pastor Ben said. And when we spend that time with God, God will honor that time that we spend with him because he's given us a responsibility according to Proverbs 22 and six to actually train up our children in the way that they should go. Given that responsibility, God is saying to us, I want you to come to me before you actually go to them so that when you train them up, you're training them up in the way that they should go. How am I training them up in the way that they should go? And whatever way that God is saying, the other thing too, dealing with that fear, the Bible teaches us over in first John, the fourth chapter in verse number 18, that perfect love casts out fear. So when we go into the presence of God, that fear is going to leave us. We're going to have that confidence. And also too, you, you mentioned the scripture when you first started about, uh, I can't say it enough, how much it, it means to just pray in the Holy spirit. When you're praying in the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us in Jude that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith whenever we're praying in the, in the Spirit and we're seeking God. And also to remember, too, according to Second Timothy 1 and 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And when you look at he's not given us the spirit of fear, you look at the three things he replaced that with, not replaced it with, but the three things he gave us instead of fear. He said he gave us love. He gave us, um, he gave us that, that, that joy. And also he gave us that, 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 that peace. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the sound mind. So when we're seeking God, he would give us a peace about whatever we're needing to talk with our children about. And that peace that the scripture teaches us is that able to guard our hearts and our minds. And there's a confidence that we have when we've said what we need to say. Uh, and even when it comes to our children, I really believe that any parent that may be in fear should look at, let me spend the time with God that I need to spend with him so that I'm not in fear anymore. So that I can actually say what God wants me to say without there being any fear, any repercussions from it in, in any way. Mm, that's, that's really motivating to be in the word every morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, some of our kids are already struggling um, with all of the fear and anxiety because of COVID-19. Um, you know, you guys just lived through homebound learning for two and a half months with your kids. You survived it. Um, but we know yeah. that for some, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're all celebrating still. <laughs> two weeks into summer and we're still celebrating that we made it. Um, but some kids give Given their makeup, given their personality, um, they struggle with fear and anxiety more. And they just came, um, or we're still in this pandemic, um, we're still social distancing. So might this warrant avoiding today's hard conversation um, about racism and our country's response to it? Might that warrant avoiding the conversation until maybe another season? What would you guys say about that? Well, I'll go first this time. Um, Something that comes to mind whenever I think about a situation like this, about us avoiding the situation, is to know that this that's happening right now, it is not the person, it's not the police officer, really, when we look at it from the bottom line, from the spirit ramp, it's not the police officer whose knee was on that guy's neck. It's the devil that's behind all of this. Mm-hmm. The devil that we know, he walks about as the scripture teaches us, walk about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He needs to have permission, first of all, to devour 
So when we look at this situation, we have to understand it from, I think, from a Job perspective. When Job was going through the things he was going through, and we saw that this was an attack that came straight from Satan. Mm -hmm. Job did not stop when he took care of the cattle. He did not stop when he actually was able to kill the children, when he was able to do the other things. He even went and started hitting Job. Well, basically, when, when Satan came and attacked Job that way, what he shows us is a pattern of what he does. If we give him a foothold, in, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, around verse number 27, tells that we should give him no space. We should give him no, you know, no, no area to work. But when we give him that space, he's, um, he's like, a, well, he is, a de- he is the demon that actually tried to take more than what you would give him. So if you give him an inch, he'll take a yard. If you give him more than, than a yard, then he'll take a, uh, he'll take a whole, you know, he'll take a whole nother space. What am I saying is that when we look at this situation and saying COVID, we're not ready to talk to him now about this and we're waiting to something else. We're just allowing more things to pile up on top of COVID, racism, and whatever it may be. And then we'll find ourselves in a place that we're in a hole trying to get out. And it's not just one thing that's happened, but it's like everything is just going on all at the same time. If now is not the best time to talk with them, my question to all the parents is, when will be the best time to talk to them? Because we can't wait till COVID is over, because if we wait till COVID is over, other things are, are packing on, this, on right on top of that. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Ben, did you want to add something? Yeah, and I definitely think that that's what we're talking about. There's uh, opportunity here, right? And then there's these yeah. teachable moments. And in society <clears throat> where they're seeing it all around them, as much as you want to try to isolate them, and even if we're isolated in this COVID moment, they're still going to see it. If we still have our TV on for the news, or if they see something that you're reading on the internet, or they're reading something on the internet, or they're hearing their friends talk about it, or they're seeing something in the streets because we were just coming home and we were hearing that, that there's going to be a curfew inflicted. Why do we have a curfew? Right? So these topics are going to come up and we have to have the opportunity to talk to our kids on why these things are happening right now, just like we did with the COVID moment. When COVID-19 started, we had to have that conversation of why you're not going back to school. Mm-hmm. why you're not physically in school and why you have to do this homebound learning. And the school is doing this wonderful job of trying to connect us as best as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. All those conversations are teachable moments that this is, these are life kind of things that are, are so teachable for and shaping for our mm-hmm. kids. And we need to take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, and yeah. now that we have that opportunity in front of us, uh, we need to uh, see that it can be a struggle because just to be honest, it, it was hard. Uh, definitely with this idea of homebound learning and our kids being stuck at home and some of them just not knowing uh, this fear and anxiety in them, but also at the same time, just feeling stuck inside and feeling like I have nowhere to go and I'm, I'm done with this schoolwork after a couple hours. I'm done. I'm done. Right. And, and it's only 1030. No, just <laughs> it's only 1030. And now to add upon these, these heavy topics, so how to start entering into that without the heaviness of it, but just the realness of it, right? And just how to start, that's what we're talking about today. Rather than just saying that we're going to have this really heavy talk at the dinner table, how to start introducing these things in ways that uh, we can use them as teachable moments mm-hmm. and opportunities to, again, share what's going on in society and how we can feel about these. How do you feel about them? And then, again, start these dialogues with our kids that really bring about how we want to teach our kids. What practical advice do you have for our parents, like on that very topic, on actually starting the conversation? Um, I like what you said about not having a really heavy conversation and preparing them for the big talk at the at the table, but weaving it in. Um, I know as a parent, I have messed up on that um, so many times. But what what practical advice would you guys have for the parents in our community on starting the conversation? Yeah, I wouldn't kind of... Uh, 
downplay the opportunity for those big talks too. Yeah. If that comes about in your dinner table, that's a perfect opportunity and with yeah. the family. But there's going to be in-depth conversations you're going to have to have mm-hmm. with your spouse, with your kids, right? And yeah. uh, those need to continue. It can't just be a one conversation, but to prime that pump, uh, to really start these conversations, I know me and Annie, especially in a young age, we've always been encouraged uh, with just different books that show a lot of inclusion, mm-hmm. right? And these young early books that we know that they're just age appropriateness and we don't want to talk heavily about different aspects of racism in a children's book, mm-hmm. but introduce books that show that they can find representation. So from an Asian point of view, from an African-American point of view, from a white point of view, just mm-hmm. everybody finds inclusion in the books that we have in our, in our household, as well as that they check out at the library or the stories we tell. And mm-hmm. uh, they find a certain connection when they say, oh, I see myself in this book. Right? And I see a positive influence in society rather than a negative one. And movies, TV shows, uh, books that bring about that inclusion is just a great way to start as parents with kids. And just don't hand it off to the kids to say, go read this, go watch this. Dialogue, talk with them about it, read it with them, etc. And that education definitely starts at home and it starts with us. So even before you start that conversation, the preemptive thing to do is for us to be aware and educated and just learn those different resources and know what those resources are speaking to my heart about and then how to introduce those to our kids. So I definitely think that those are really important just kind of for the age appropriateness too. There's ones that are great for younger kids, but then older kids, I think that we can already have those conversations about what they see in the or what they see in the social media. And they're ready for those kind of conversations as much as we're not ready to have those conversations with them. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to allow that to be an entered space together and say, hey, I know that you've heard this already. So what kind of things are you thinking about? And this is what mommy and daddy have heard. And this is what we think about it. And just have a dialogue with some of our older kids because they already have started to form their own opinions and how they want to shape how they want to be active about these things or inactive about them. Mm -hmm. So again, just Mm -hmm. how to really engage in that kind of uh, conversation with our kids. Mm, Thank you. Ben, Carrie, how about you? What would you say um, practically to start the conversation? Well, my wife showed me something that was really interesting uh, lately. Uh, Because my children, uh, they're like 10, uh, about to turn eight and uh, five years old. They look at some things on television. And the other day, Nickelodeon did something that was really powerful. They actually played a video for like eight minutes and 46 seconds. When they played this video, they were, they were honoring, you know, that time that was going on that, the, that, the, um, that George was, 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 mm. was being held down by the police officer. Uh-huh. So my thought was, and I told my wife, I said, now they didn't see it first because my wife and I, we have this thing where we have to look at something first to make sure it's presentable for them before we allow them to look at it. So we believe in parental guardian, you know, PG movies. We believe in PG movies, but we want to see the PG movie before we let them see it mm-hmm. because everybody PG is not the same as mm-hmm. what our PG is. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, though, we thought that that would be a really good place to start because it's on a channel that they love looking at anyway. So they're going to look at Nickelodeon, then they're going to see a black screen that comes up and it's going to have a minute counter down and it's going to be counting. They're going to say, Dad, what is this all about? And then from there, we thought, hey, we can have a conversation with them about this. Now, the thought that has been in my mind, and I've talked to my wife about this before, that we talked to our children about how there's injustice that we've seen in the scriptures about how Pharaoh put the children of Israel into slavery. And, and also we've talked about how Haman was, was uh, treating the Israelites and things like that. And we look at those situations like that as being racism, that we can show them that it was that way in the Bible. 
that this is not something that started when mommy and dad was born or back when Martin Luther King was here or anything like that at all. These are things that have been going on for years so that they could be able to see that there is a pattern of how Satan worked. The thing mm-hmm. I really try to express to them is you've got to look beyond that person because the scripture teaches us over in second, um, yeah, second, second Corinthians, the fifth chapter around verse number 16, that now that we're saved, we should judge no man or look at no man or refer to no man or regard no man as to this flesh. Meaning we, I shouldn't look at the brown skin on someone or white skin on someone and look at that as being a way to talk to them or based it basically have a prejudged kind of way or prejudiced way that I respond to them. Now, the thing that we try to teach them in that sense is, is basically that. And in the process of teaching them that we try to have already have built. And I think this is important, too, that when we have those conversations with our children, it's like ben, Pastor Ben just said, we have to have some kind of working knowledge with them already that we already have access to that place. If we don't have access to that place, then we got to work on getting access to that place. We have to work on, you know, trying to build up them to be able to open up to us or us be able to open up to them. Not all children are going to be able to open up to you if you have not already built that rapport with them. But when we build that rapport with them, it's easier to start with conversations like that, I believe, with your children because they have already developed that level of trust with you. They've already been able to see that they can be honest with you. And things like that really helps within the you know within but the way that my wife and I looked at this and we saw it we were like that is awesome that it's already on television that they look at and it's going to interrupt it's almost like they're saying we came to interrupt your regular scheduled program to show you this and then they show that and it's like wow and they start the conversation Mm, that's that's awesome that's great um What can parents do? How can they respond if their child shares that they're afraid um, or on the other side, if their child shares that they're really angry? What would you what would you say? Well, from the standpoint of uh, the angry, the Bible teaches us that it's OK to be angry, but it would not to sin. That's what it teaches us over in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, around verse 26. And when we talk about that, um, my wife and I <clears throat> often tell, talk to our children that if we're angry about something before we go to bed that night, we need to talk with the Lord about it and ask for forgiveness. So teaching them that there is an anger that, that all of us have, because even God is angry. The scripture teaches us that God angers, but he does not sin. Not only does he not sin, but he expects us to have anger too and not sin. I think that what we could teach them is to have that, that sometimes that anger is necessary for mm-hmm. us to actually do something. Yes. Because sometimes you can be angered to a place that you provoke, but you provoke yep. in the right way. Because the scriptures also teaches us too in Psalms 37 and Brown verse number eight, that when we allow that anger and worry to get in us the wrong way, it leads us to do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at some of the people that may be loitering right now, that they're mm-hmm. allowing the anger and the frustration they feel over whatever time period to allow them to do that, what they're doing. And that's people that handle that anger in the wrong way. But I, we often tell our children, it's okay to be angry. You need to get that out. We need to tell them you need to take a break from this and all that. That <clears throat> the fear is the other part, though, that I look at and I'm, I'm saying, okay, we got to deal with that fear. We know the fear comes uh, from us in, in a place of not knowing, not being sure. But whenever we're in Christ, we know that we're, he, he knows everything and he's, he can handle all of that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to that anger, we try to teach them if I can say it in such a way that there is a such thing as a healthy anger that they're supposed to uh, allow that uh, um, the righteous indignation that's inside of us just to rise up and say, you know what, something needs to be done about this and we need to do something and we're not going to do it by a way of just, uh, it's not going to be done by might or power, but it's going to be done by the spirit of the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think that one of the things that I, I, I know I struggle with is just the aspect of, 
when my child tells me not just fear or anxiety or anger, um, but just any emotion that they have, I tend to say, it's okay. And the pastor comes out of me, right? And it's all right. Everything will work yeah. out. Everything will be good. And some of these aspects of racism and the, and the kind of aspects of what we're talking about and the systemic problems, um, making that promise to them is, is not necessarily a good thing, right? And not validating their feeling of anger and fear. And um, I know Annie is much better at this than of just kind of making sure that they're she hears their feeling and validates that feeling. And I'm learning a lot of how to do that with our kids as well, of just listening to how they're feeling, their emotional feeling into any kind of issue. And when I hear that, then we can start talking about what that looks like in God's eyes and what does that look like in in trying to channel those feelings and what that looks like and how to respond in that anger that you're feeling, like what Terry was just saying, make it as something positive, right? And that, that motivation to make a change. We want to change because God wants to change as well. And the idea to be a problem solver, not a problem maker, right? And that's a, a, a thing that we say a lot in our household. And, uh, but first, connect with those feelings though with our kids, right? <laughs> they don't feel like those are wrong because that anger and afraid that there is reason why you have that fear. And there's reason why you feel that anger. Uh, I, I think that God wants us to have that because we need to respond. And mm-hmm. what is the response, though? And we need to validate those feelings and then learn how to walk alongside them on what that looks like. And that's a journey for ourselves as well as with our kids. Yeah, it is a journey for ourselves, for sure. Um, so how can parents talk about law enforcement in a way that's honest, um, but also doesn't discourage kids from seeking help from a police officer? Who would like to take that one first? <laughs> Well, I think we've been taking turns here, and I think that, yeah, yeah great. So, uh, police officers are, <clears throat> you know, they have such a, such a difficult job of protecting and serving, yeah. and they do such a wonderful job. And we also find that there are some bad apples, right? And those bad apples are finding that they can find their way into a systematic problem, a, a system problem as, as well. And I think that now there's more awareness to that problem, so we're trying to address those and bring those more awareness but the pain that we're facing is, is still causing human lives and is causing pain in our community, our society, and our nation. And the aspects of what that looks like in talking to our kids is we want them to be able to trust those in authority. And I don't think that they should lose that trust, right? Especially in the way that God says that he gives us those in front of us to, to, to submit to authority. But he also tells us that we should not be okay when things are unjust. Mm-hmm. and things that are not doing well, right? So we want to still breathe that trust to our law enforcement and those that are given authority to protect and serve us. But we also have to make them aware that sometimes that's not done well. And there are times that that's not, that hasn't happened. And that's part of our history and that's part of what we're dealing with right now. So mm-hmm. I think that there still needs to be that trust to our police force and share with our kids that you need to be, know that you can trust them. But at the same time, be aware, right, that there's opportunities where we need to speak out when there's injustice Mm -hmm. uh, and when there's things that are not right. Thanks. Thanks for that. Now, now one of the things that is a blessing for for my family is that we actually have um, police officers that live in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, One one is a Caucasian gentleman and another one is African-American. The great thing about it, too, is that um, my children are friends with the gentleman that is a Caucasian Mm-hmm. They're friends with his children. So I, I, they, they don't, now, they don't go to Central. For arranging that. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a tremendous blessing. And the great thing, too, is that they've seen him come over to the house before. He's actually helped me 
uh, put one of my fence, help me to build my fence at my house. So they know him and they know if they see him with a badge, they should see that, hey, that's the same gentleman that is uh, their, friend's, their friend's dad. So mm-hmm. I think having people around you that they can, that your children can identify with, that is a real person that does not have the uniform on, that they can see that they're a real person just like we are, that helps. And, and also to know that that person has a kind heart. He's also a Christian. Both of them are also Christians too. So that helps also. But I think when, whenever it comes down to trying to explain to them about the law enforcement, just let them know that, like Pastor Ben said, there's some good apples, there's some bad apples. I often tell my children that according to Psalms 115, God has given the authority and he's given this earth over to man. Not every person treats that responsibility the same. Some people take advantage of it. Some people look and say, I'm a steward of what God has given me and I got to give an account to what I'm doing. Not everybody addresses it the same way. And what I try to really express to my children a lot is that sometimes when we see those bad apples, those bad apples have something else going on in their life that makes them respond that way. So we have to be able to be mindful of that too, that the same God, and I, and I tell people this sometimes, uh, when I first saw that uh, video, the first thought that crossed my mind was the person who was there with, with the knee on the gentleman's neck, if he confessed Christ as his Lord and Savior, he's saved. And a lot of us don't get to that place that we look at just that person thinking, oh, they're so evil, they're so evil. But there is a love that God has for us that goes way beyond what any act of, of, of violence that we could ever do. And that's the compassion he, that he gives. He tells us over in the book of Romans that it's, it's through his goodness that uh, uh, people, will, it, will, uh, people will be provoked to understand uh, salvation through God's kindness and his goodness and all of that, that there's, a, that there's a salvation that people will be able to look and say, God has been so good and I've been so bad. Lord, forgive me. Now, by, by any means, I'm not saying that we should minimize what may have happened, but what we have to look at in all of this, there is a God that is in this situation that just as there is a Satan, both of them have, uh, have their own way that they're going to work everything out. That scripture you just read, how God is able to work all things out for the good. God is going to work this situation. Now, I really believe that, that that's what he's really doing in this situation right now, too. Mm-hmm. He is a God that restores. He is a God yes, that he is. he is a God that is working. Um, I love what you said. One of you said about um, you know when you get to know a law um, enforcement person, a police officer, um, or mm-hmm. um, that it actually humanizes them um, when they don't have their uniform on. And really, also the whole bad apples. There's a few bad apples in in the whole crop. Um, that is what we are teaching our children when we preach against racism too. Like we are saying, don't take a bad experience with one person um, of a certain ethnicity and then attribute that to the entire race. Um, Those are the stories. Those are the things that we're saying to our kids. It it would be the same thing with law enforcement. Um, So thank you both for saying that. I just, I love how God orchestrated that, Terry. For your family to live in that neighborhood yeah. um, with us, I mean, really, what what a blessing—the exact word that you used. Um, well, I'm sure you would both agree. You guys clearly love Jesus. Um, you walk with Him, you talk with Him, you listen to Him, and you are people of the Word of God. Um, and I think that you would agree. Um, in times of despair, that that is often when our faith grows stronger. Yeah. Um, what do we want our kids to know about God in the midst of this national anguish, this national despair? Uh, I guess I'll go first this time. <laughs> um, the one thing I want uh, my children to know that this does not reflect who our God is. My God is a good God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't allow the act of another person to make us think that that's how God is. 
because God is not that way. The God that we serve is a loving God. He's a caring God. He's also a God of justice. He's a God. He's a jealous God, too. But there are certain aspects of who he is that he will work things out in his own timing. And as I mentioned to you before, I really believe that God is uh, doing something that we don't understand yet. that We don't see yet to the fullness and what he's working out in his way, because the scripture talks about in Isaiah 55, how his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I really believe that God is working something out on a level that not all of us understand. Those of us that are spiritual, we get a glimpse of what God is doing because we know the heart of God. So that's the reason why we're not so quick to say this should be done or that should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the people that may be frustrated or more frustrated, I think, with all of this, maybe ones that may not have uh, that relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and not allowing God to really touch their heart and talk with them about it. Those ones that may be from a racist standpoint, all those ones that's wanting to be vindicated. Some of them may, may be in that place where they're not really seeing the bigger picture of what God is trying to do through all of this. But uh, I really believe that it is through um, the goodness of God that he leads people to repentance. And that's not just, you know, through everything that's going on, but that's through anything that's going on. I really believe that God is trying to show us that he still wants to be a good God to us. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and just to continue on that, I think that if we're learning anything about God, especially in this national anguish, is that God is present, right? Mm-hmm. He mourns over brokenness and yeah. hurt in the world. Um, we saw Jesus when he was incarnated in this world that he would weep. He would weep over people. He would weep over the city. Mm-hmm. He would weep over brokenness. And mm-hmm. it is in that we know that we have a God that deeply cares about these things. Um, uh, Jesus in humility gave up his life for these things and he brings us closeness to God rather than more brokenness so there's a hope there too and the kingdom that we live in right he is currently here but it's still not fully yet complete so we're that in the here but not yet and we anticipate Jesus' return where he'll make all things new again celebrate in that and we'll enjoy that that there will be no more of this brokenness. There will no, be no more of this hurt and pain and, and racism. And uh, we pray. We pray that our Heavenly Father will show us more of that, that he is a sovereign God that has this fully in control and he has the victory. Mm-hmm. And we continue to pray. And in this moment, though, continue to lament and cry. Uh, we pray that God will con- forgive us of all the ways that we're complicit in this or add to the racism or et cetera. We also acknowledge that there are ways that God's going to heal that brokenness and bring redemption and reconciliation if we are humble enough to follow him. And I think that's what I think, uh, not just learning about God in that moment, learning a lot about ourselves, um, just understanding how God's calling us. And one of the things that I love about Central um, is the diversity that we have. And uh, diversity can bring, and differences can bring a lot of division, but differences can also bring a lot of unity. Right. And when we allow that difference to bring unity and diversity, we see beauty. Right. And I think that that's what I enjoy having my kids at Central notice because Mm -hmm. they realize that they're not like everybody else there. Mm-hmm. But they grow in knowing that they can have friends of all different backgrounds, all different places in St. Louis, from all different kinds of churches, um, from all different skin colors. Just all of, they have friends from every different corner and they don't limit themselves to say, I can only be friends with other Asians or I can only be friends from people from Central Church. Mm-hmm. They're friends with everybody. They get to be friends with everybody. And that shares so much of what Central brings to us in learning about this diversity. So differences bring that diversity that can bring unity, 
But of yeah. course, that, that difference can breed division, but we got to go against that. And how we do that is learn and listen to each other, get to know each other. Mm-hmm. I love the families at Central that we get to know and grow with and talk with, like Terry's family, as well as others. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, uh, one of the best conversations we had about racism and uh, racism in our household was when we were talking about the different racism that we face versus what our African-Americans are facing right now, our brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And we used real examples of, can you imagine your friend and their parents having to have this conversation about being careful when you go jogging yeah. or yeah. be careful when you're going to learn how to drive. And now you have to have your hands on the wheel when yeah. someone pulls over. Yeah. You don't have to worry about those things, but your friends do. And we use names of their friends and that really yeah. impacted our older kids. Our younger didn't understand yet, but that's okay. Cause we'll have more time with him mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about those things. Mm-hmm. But our older kids knew because they were thinking right there, their friends that they know, and our personal friends of theirs are connected to, that that meant something to them. Oh gosh, thank you. This is so valuable, you guys. Um, You know, as I think about becoming the head of school um, for Central this summer um, and stepping into that role, one of my hopes for our community is that we are a people that pursues Jesus. Um, Yes, we teach from a Christian worldview. Yes, we teach Bible as a subject. Um, yes, we weave God's story into everything that we teach, but we need to be a community that sees Jesus, that looks for him, that pursues him, um, that we're also creating disciples um, in addition to creating learners and, you know, kids that will thrive in academia. Um, So my final question for you both, how can we teach our children what it means to pursue Jesus, to be a Christ follower during this really hard time? Yeah, and I was really reflecting on this one, and there's so many important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to concise it down, I would say we want to teach our kids to be image bearers of God, right? And what Jesus does in our lives allows us to reflect that, mm-hmm. and how He's restored us, redeemed us, allowed us to find that uh, kind of relationship back with God, allows us to fully be those image bearers of God as well as we were first created. Um, so we truly need to help each of our children understand they're fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm. help them to find so much pride in the way that God has made them, right? Mm -hmm. So beautiful, fearfully and wonderfully that they have a purpose in God's kingdom Mm -hmm. and to really give them that confidence in how God's created them. But Mm -hmm. in that confidence Mm -hmm. to understand humility, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So just don't go about saying that you have all of it all figured out and all great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Each one of us, including all of us, I know right here on this panel, parents, we're we're, we're not, we don't have it all together. We're fearfully and wonderfully broken before God and humble before God. And just know that we are, we need God every day. Mm -hmm. So that trust and dependency on God, the ability to know that they're beautifully made, but they're God's children and they need to submit to his plans and his purposes. And Mm -hmm. they need to bring that fullness understanding of God's love and care and grace and mercy then because they don't have to be perfect. They can't be perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're beautifully, wonderfully made, but they're not supposed to be perfect because God's still refining them and shaping them and they can rest in grace. They can rest in mistakes they make and they can know that God still loves them and shapes them and helps them be who they want to be or who God wants them to be. So mm-hmm. I think that's the Christ followers that we want to develop here at central as well as in, I know my life and my, my, my household. So fearfully and wonderfully yeah. made, but broken before God and just living for him. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
Well, something that comes to mind when I think about how I would want for my children to be Christ followers now, how to teach them that, is something that Jesus taught when he was on earth. He taught in uh, John, the 17th chapter, about us having a oneness, to see that there was not a separate person, even though there may be color difference in us on the outside, we all know, according to the word of God, this this is just like clothes on us. This is just an outward appearance of, of what God is, you know, uh, allowing us to be clothed in. This body has been bought with a price. He's already told us that. But mm-hmm. something that Jesus did was he prayed that there will be oneness in the body of Christ. And my prayer is that my children would see that all of us that are believers in Christ want to be one. And we not only want to be one, but we want unity here. And there is a dominion that we have to walk in as believers in Christ that we know and we understand that God wants us to, to live life the way that he's called us to live life as leaders. And with them being um, Christian uh, believers, we want them to be leaders in the body of Christ. One of the things that I would love for them to, as my children, I, I try to teach them is that I would love for them to begin to pray more for the Lord to, to, to do certain things or for certain things to just be manifested. Mm-hmm. One of which is uh, praying for there to be a better world. Something that, that God has laid up on my heart was in the book of uh, Psalms, the, the 29th chapter, it talked about the difference between two types of leaders. It says in verse number two in Psalms, I'm sorry, in Proverbs, the 29th chapter, in verse number two, it says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people mourn or they groan. Mm-hmm. And then in verse number seven, it says, when the righteous, uh, it said, the righteous person considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked person does not understand such knowledge. When I, when I was talking with my children, my prayer is that pray for the right person mm-hmm. of the righteous people to get in authority. So when the righteous people get in authority, we will see that there will be, this will be a better world because when righteous people are in authority, they're following what God wants to get done. And that's the prayer that Jesus was praying when he prayed the mm-hmm. Lord, let your will be done, which is in heaven also done on earth. And that's the thing that I'm, that I'm praying that they would begin to see that as a leader and as, as children that are Christ followers, we need to be able to just say, we want to um, speak out of our mouth the things that we want to see on earth. To let them know that they have declaration. There's a declarating ability that they have when they speak certain things out of their mouth. In my house, I try to teach my children, don't say something that you don't want. Don't say, <laughs> man, I'm not going to get this today. I'm not going to. This is the worst day ever. I'm like, you're speaking those things out of your mouth and they're powering your words. So I, I would like to let them know that as believers in Christ, there's power in their words, because as Jesus said in John 6 and 63, he said, the word that I speak, uh, their spirit and their life. So we have to begin to say as Christ's followers and, and also as leaders that would be following Christ, we have to understand that, there, that there's so much power in what we say and there's so much uh, weighing on whatever we say, whether it's good or whether we're bad. Mm-hmm. And just one more thing with that. I, I love that. I, and I think that one of the beautiful things about school too, which I look forward to, especially for the next part two of this, is yeah. that we have authoritative figures in you, Kristen, as well as Paya, that can yeah. give us a lot of that glimpse. And there's just representation there as well, too, when we see Paya uh, representing our African-American kind of community, where there's someone in leadership that represents, right, and can, can, can show that kind of aspect of knowing that we have leadership in that way. And, and Kristen, with your sensitivity for just all the, tr- the school and just everyone in our community, it's there. And I, I love that yeah. we have that for our school, uh, as well as just our community. And I know that all of our kids will benefit in seeing both of you guys in leadership, not just as uh, that is the only thing that defines you as well, because there's just so many aspects of who you guys are in, uh, as yeah. well as being yeah. strong women. Uh, all those things are just beautiful things for our yeah. kids to, to see and be able to learn from. 
Mm, thank you so much for saying that. Um, God is doing an amazing work in our school yeah, community. Yeah. I'm so excited to see how he's going to continue to guide us, um, you know, into the future. Terry and Ben, thank you um, so, so much. Thank you, thank thank you. you enough um, for sharing your hearts with us, for pointing us back to Jesus, pointing us to his word, um, for empowering us as we navigate hard conversations with our kids. Um, our community and I am so very grateful for both of you. Um, listeners, we hope that you'll join us for part two of this discussion in which pay a sample our principal. And I will dig um, deep into these issues again next week, um, primarily regarding how our school has organically begun to address the issues of racism within our classrooms, within our programming, and where we hope to take our school moving forward. What we plan to do intentionally, we have almost 250 children in our care. And together we believe that with the partnership of parents that we counted a privilege to shape 250 future leaders who can bring healing, who can bring re restoration, bring truth, bring hope to their communities one day. So listeners, um, please join us next week. Thank you again, Terry and Ben. It was such a blessing to be with each of you.